Now, I've learned that you were <laughs> dread beaten blood. Yep, yep. And survival. Yeah, back in the days, yep. Far out. So, yeah. what I'd like to know, Hermione Grace, is just how much of this film, The Par Boys, <laughs> is autobiographical. Well, in, in a sense, it is. Um, going to those small towns, you know, um, we, were there, we were touring. I first started out on Dread Beaten Blood, I was, I was actually 17, and I was the sound mixer, so I was mixing for them. And I'd been living in Auckland, and uh, but I'd been jamming with uh, my cousins, you know, we grew up jamming together and things. And then, um, I can't remember what happened, there was a bit of a, a band change, like membership change, and I played for them for a little while, called, when it was called Dread Beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then me and Dave... Uh, it's Dave Grace. Dave Grace. Had a, yeah, had a few other bands. I think one was called Crisis. We had all these, <laughs> we had all these Bob Marley album names. <laughs> we were going to call it Kaya, you know, the Aww. band. And uh, I think we uh, had a jam with a whole lot of people, even um, Edna and uh, Tikifari Hemmingson. Yeah, we had a good, real good kaupapa band then. I need those wahine. Oh, they were massive. Mm. And yeah, we, we had real fun. You know, we did those kaupapa gigs all over the country. Mm. Mm. So yeah, the film, I mean, the touring part was... Absolutely, based on those times. And using the locals was the same thing as touring there. Reggae wasn't huge then, but Dreadbeat had a really big following. You know, had a real good underground following. Um, you didn't get airplay then if you were a Māori reggae band. There wasn't any station that would play you, or even anyone that would wanted to record you, you know. Um, but you'd go to these towns, and they'd just really appreciate that yeah. you turned up at their town and paid them a little bit of attention. So everyone would come down to the pub and just rage. Yeah, was... I went to survival. Yeah, yeah. At a little hall in Awakiri, just out of Fakatani. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was really um, Tamiiti organised that gig. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Were you in it? Yeah, yeah. Was there. Because one of my favourite songs is Native Oppression. We loved that tour. In fact, it could have been near the last tour we did. It may have been. I can't um, really remember that far. <laughs> and what about all the tensions that um, go with touring when you're... No, I think we did really well. I mean, because we were cousins, we all grew up together. Mm. We bought our wives and kids. You know, we took, we took all our kids on tour. So we had like 20 of us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, lived off meat pies. <laughs> And whatever the locals feed Me us. pies and laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't really have big dramas. No, we didn't really have big dramas. Um, not that I remember anyway. I think it was, um, I think we did really well. And even like when we split up, we actually didn't say, oh, we should split up. We just didn't have band practice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no one said, hey, man. <laughs> you know, it's time to call it quits or anything. And But I do remember our last tour was the best music we'd played ever. And I think we kind of all knew, because it was expensive, you know. Mm. We'd never made money. 
we just did it for the for the love. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and um, it was just hard going. So you're used to that hard graft in Power Boys. Yeah, yeah. Shooting the film was like touring with a band. It's mm. just like it. Yeah, you get to a pub set up. Um, was gig. it what you expected? I, I yeah, it kind of was, but it was better than I could even imagine. Yeah. Because you basically did the road trip with the cast, right, around yeah, the country. with the cast and the crew, yeah. Yeah, we had um, uh, three vans and a couple of cars. Yeah. That's pretty impressive for all the gear that you would have needed. Yeah, yeah, one van was completely packed. Did you not have the Kai van? <laughs> no, no, we had um, we had some caterers from Fukutani, some of friends' <laughs> friends' relations, and um, uh, they, well, well, we actually set up in... No, no, when we got to the pubs, they catered. Like, we pulled into Tolaga Bay and they had a wild, wild pig on the spit. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And then we, we got to Tateko, they had wild pig. <laughs> but we went, went stayed in a, in a, at Dad's Marae, one of Dad's Marae in Tuparo, and... Um, is that the um, place where... Where Wharekahu is, Wharekahu, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. and there was no electricity, no cell phone signal. You had to drive up and down a creek. It was more than a creek, you know, it was a bit of a... A mission, but um, but we had caterers there, yeah, and they just. <laughs> so you must have been using generators and stuff to, for your to, gear. Yeah, we had to, generators to power the batteries, repower the batteries, and transfer the data, which was just like so risky. And uh, Kiwano, who was in charge of that, was just quite stressful mm-hmm. because you take a card down, transfer it, and uh, oh, we only had the generator on at night, you know, between like six and ten, I think, and um. Because that was for the hot water, you know, and cooking. Um, and yeah, no, that was really stressful. And there's one time when the, I think the generator started running out of power, and the lights started dipping, and it was, and we were transferring all the data. Oh, no. <laughs> so someone ran up and poured diesel into it while it was still running, <laughs> which you shouldn't do. But yeah, no, it was it was amazing. These are like bonding for life moments, now. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was. And, and I, was, I talked to Ainsley and I said, you know, Tuparo is a really isolated, no electricity. Um, it's going to be really hard on the crew and the actors and, you know, because we were there for two weeks. And um, and then, so I met her in Whakatane and we drove around the Cape and went to Tuparo and she just, we pulled up and she just said, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sort it out. And I was worried because, you know, living like that is hard it can be hard for people that aren't used to well, it. People that aren't used to it, mm. but anyone, you know. But film crews are really hardy. You know, they do they do the hard yards out in the snow and the rain and all the time. And um, they thanked me. <laughs> people came up thank me every day. Just said, thank you for bringing me here. It's just amazing. So that was a... That was a relief. <laughs> 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 it could have been disastrous, you know. It could have been. Yeah. But it wasn't, it was amazing. But I guess it's that thing when the co-papa's right, eh? Yeah, yeah, and, and the attitude's right. You know, they just all had really amazing attitude. I mean, you're, the film The Power Boys has got a strong spiritual thread running through it. Yeah. And sometimes, um, you know, in terms of Māori things, that ends up stretching out into everything. Yeah. Neha. Yeah. Mm. Um. Which was always the intention to, it was also not to make this big sort of, um, make it a big tapu sort of untouchable (laughs) sort of thing, because, but make it just part of the natural world, you know, and that's why the landscape was so important in this film, 
because it's we're all just part of this natural world and it's just a story about some young Māori people sort of finding their way through life and death. I mean, hear me on it. Is it trippy, for want of a better word, to see something you've thought up in your head coming to life in front of you with real people? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I still uh, pinch myself in a way. You know, I still think far out. This is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and it's working. And, you know, I mean, there's a whole lot of um, input from everybody else. But really, I mean, it, it's crucial, you know, like everybody, this is this is my co-papa, is everybody on the crew, no matter how big their role is, is just as important as everybody else, you know. So I didn't really want this hierarchy of, you know, being separate from the Which crew. Which is like how a run. Yeah. How I you mean, run the whatikai or yeah, how you run the pa. Exactly, mm. exactly. And it's like, it's not run from the top up, top down. It's sort of spread out. Um amongst everybody to me that was really really important so everybody has input and people had really good ideas and because I had this story in my head for so long someone would say what about this and I'd think yeah that's a really good idea (laughs) far out I never thought of that (laughs) but um so they all have huge input and you know it's a big collaborative thing making a film but in the end it's still told the same story that was even though it was edited, a lot of stuff was taken out. You know the, um, um, you know unnecessary dialogue or even scenes that we shot, which were hard scenes and huge scenes. They didn't survive the edit, but the story is still really exactly the still the same story. So you were killing your darlings, and you're okay about oh, it. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's sometimes it's hard, and I fought for quite a few. You know, mm. I fought for some and said no, I insist, and, and people go no, no, it's just um. It's not working, and you've got to keep the story drive, 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 you know, driving the story, and it's got to keep a momentum. Even though it is quite a slow-paced film, which was another uh, thing that I wanted, it's actually hard to do that. It's hard to have a slow-paced film but keep people interested and in, and into the story. Um, so yeah, you know, you, I mean, we had huge scenes that we completely cut that didn't make the second cut. Yeah, and it was so hard. Um, but they were right decisions, you know. I mean, if I ever did a director's cut, it'd probably be two hours something long. But I would, don't know if it'd be any good. <laughs> any good? <laughs> oh, it would be, but you know, it'd be different. It'd just be different. Um, and then you can't really be too indulgent either. You have to sort of um, uh, be open enough. Be to open hear enough to hear what, what others are saying. What grows the story, or what moves it yeah, along? Absolutely. Yeah. You have to, otherwise. It just becomes egos and things, you know, and, and just a big scrap that you don't... It's unnecessary. And I really trust the people who were giving me these this advice. You trust them. If you don't trust them, you shouldn't really be working with them, you know. It's all there. So, I mean, that's one thing, to be the writer, but this was also your directorial debut. Yeah. I mean, is that like switching your head into a completely different space? Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It is because... Uh, Directing's not just a creative thing, it's a technical thing as well. But it's also, um, um, in a way, you've got to see the whole picture all the time. You can't be really, like... Focusing on one particular focusing on, scene. I mean, you do, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to explain. You do focus on detail, and you do focus on 
certain things, but really it's the whole picture that you have to have in your mind. And, um, you know, and when they told me, you know, after the script was nearly, nearly at the last final, final draft, after about 100, <laughs> um, Ainsley said to me, Ainsley Gardner, the producer said, OK, now you've got to put your director's hat on. And I thought, I've got a director's hat. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it? I don't remember being allocated it. <laughs> and this I haven't, happen when I was I've, writing it? I've still got my old grey Scotty hat. Is that a director's hat too? So yeah, I mean, um, but it is different. But I think um, because I'm a visual person, I think that was the link between the writing and the directing. And it's the link between it all, you know, it all coming together. Um, so yeah, they are different. But I've... I, I, you know, without bragging, I, was, um, I wasn't phased by directing my first film. And I think that's because I had such good support, you know. And the, so that's necessary, right? Yeah, yeah. I had such good support, and Ainsley just had my back, regardless of even fighting for the script and all these things. You know, she just backed me all the way. So, um, and the crew, and, you know, everyone, the production team, the crew, they all just had my back, so I wasn't really, wasn't really too phased. Um when I thought about it after, I thought, oh, far out. How do I yeah. get through that? Yeah, I thought that could have been hard, but it wasn't. So I'm not really sure what to say about that. Yeah, It wasn't hard. Um, it's hard work, and it's exhausting. But it wasn't like I, was out of my, I wasn't out of my depth. Yeah. You know? And the talent is so unreal that they make it easy. <laughs> and the crew, professional crew, they make it easy. You know, We all got on. I mean, was it just a natural progression? Uh, you're a photographer. I saw a quote somewhere where you said that writing, photography, music, that's all, yeah, you know, makes a film. film. Yeah, yeah. I think um, definitely. It's all what I've been doing all my life. So um, since I can remember, I made a film when I was 10 on 8mm. What a geek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a geek. And I was going to enter it into a spot-on competition. Oh. But uh, we didn't decide not to in the end. <laughs> Just because of the content, I think it would have been PG rated <laughs> back then, and it was a kids show <laughs> or M rated. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, I think it was natural. I mean, I was in theatre for years as well with uh, Tio Fukari and um, played music all my life. Really, I, I chose music as the path really that I wanted to do, and uh, and just worked in film crews and things when I could or wanted to, you know, basically. Mum is Patricia Grace and yeah. your dad's Waitaki Grace. And then your wife is Briar Grace Smith. Yeah. I mean, how was it? I don't want to make an assumption, but has it been easy for you to find your own voice? No, no, that's what people do ask. And I think just because of the edit of that interview, uh, it sounded like I did keep it hidden 
from them, but I didn't keep it hidden from them. I just didn't tell anyone. You know, I just kept it to myself because I thought I didn't know how to write a script. You know, and I had back in, when I started, I was um, formatting the dialogue and all that. You know, manually, and I read, but I didn't keep it a secret. I just didn't tell people because I wasn't sure where it was going to go. I wasn't sure whether I was just dreaming. You know, I was dreaming, but whether it was going to be real for real or not. And um, <clears throat> but you know, you you just get this drive to do something, which is what I've always been like. So you get a drive, and I was just really driven to write the story, and. Um, I did show it to Merita first, Merita Mita first, and um, and Barry Barclay actually. They both said this story has to be told, and you need development, and you need this and that. So they pointed me in those directions, and then you know it became inevitable that I revealed what I was doing all those mornings and nights, you know, typing, and um, just writing a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just sending emails. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I wasn't really uh, <laughs> keeping it a secret. I just generally don't talk about what I'm doing basically because it's just I need to know that I'm can do it for myself really it's a challenge to myself it's not really it's a personal thing yeah but then it has to become public of course yeah that's <laughs> yeah. the thing eh? yeah, it has you to. eventually has to have to release it so yeah. it has its life and that is that's nerve-wracking that's revealing all that stuff for people to sort of scrutinize and criticize or enjoy you know which luckily enough people enjoy it yeah I read books, I went to workshops, and I didn't understand what structure was. No one could explain to me what structure was. And you read all these novels and, you know, I mean, not novels, but... Oh, man, and then um, you find out that actually there's no real... I mean, they'll tell you what the rules of structure is, you know. this is You have to do all these things to get funding as well. You have to follow these rules. And, and then Brian just said, no, the structure is the beat or the rhythm of how you tell the story and how it's structured. And I thought, well, why couldn't anyone just say that from the say that, from the start? Save me all this money yeah. out of these workshops. <laughs> I mean, I just spent a day in this workshop, and I still don't know what it is. So I don't get it. I don't get and it. And she read it, and she said, "The structure's really good. It's really..." Um... And then you, then I realised, you have your own structure. It's a unique thing about how your rhythm is about telling stories, just like Indigenous people telling stories all over the world, or. Australians telling stories around the fire. They have the structure. And it doesn't need to be linear. It doesn't need to be linear mm. at all. And it doesn't need to follow, you know, those, um, the classic European sort of three, uh, uh, three act sort of plays and three act sort of, I mean, they do, but you don't have to. You don't have to. And, and um, so luckily I, I sort of don't follow rules anyway. I just sort of found my own. Found my own structure, and I guess in that you're finding your own voice and getting your confidence in it as well. Yeah, I think I think I got more confidence up, you know. And I mean, Bri helped with that when she told me about the structure and techniques and things. Um, it's you do get your confidence up because you think, ah, right now I know where I'm heading or what I'm supposed to be, or that I'm doing what I'm doing is is pretty good. Yeah, you know. So I mean, Bri did have a few. She's some of the some of her line good lines didn't make the cut because. They were so funny, <laughs> and it was like this. Is, you know, I keep getting told this isn't a comedy. You know, oh, yeah. and I think, but we're really funny. You know, we, we are, are really as a funny. people, we're we just are. really funny. You know, we are ruthless in our humour. Mm. And um, and Ainsley had a you know, if you, I mean, when we decided to shoot, she was asked if we could shoot in Tetequo, and um, 
And I said, yeah, sure, we'll just make that scene, you know, this one here in Tateko. And uh, and she goes, I've got a really great idea. What about they pull into the town, there's no one there, you know, and they think, oh, here we go. And then they open the door and there's an aerobics team <laughs> or a, yeah, aerobics team going hard out in the pub. So funny. Yeah, and I just think that was her idea. You know, I just thought, this is great. Yeah. So she knew the context to organise it Well, you all know, because it's unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a joke. It's real, because that's where she holds, you know, that's where they do these exercises for the... Co- for the for, Yeah, yeah, for the aunties and yeah. stuff, you know. It's like, yeah. So, you know, these small towns get bad raps, you know, and the rest of the country forget about them. Thinking like, you know, Tolaga Bay, Tateko, they're these scary little towns. People are just on the dole and doing nothing. And, you know, they're... they're They've completely forgotten about, you know, Aucklanders and Wellingtonians and unless they pass through, you know. But you get there and um they are really amazing, hospitable people, you know. And that scene with Troy, when they first pull into the pub oh, and the local that's Troy Kingy. That just crazy. The local me steps up. out the boys, you know, yeah. here's these new strangers in town, so he steps them out and sort of challenges them. And that's kind of what it's like walking into a small town pub. You know, everyone just sort of looks at you and thinks, who are you? But you just break that ice and you get through that little thing. And they're amazing people, you know, who have been forgotten. City kids. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that was a real big thing for me about the story as well and why I chose to go to those places. Um, You know, the meat works closed down, there's no jobs, you know, and people are just... But you, you you get through that little, a small barrier, and you meet real amazing people. Yeah. They put on put the pig on the street, yeah. please. Ite tau toku papa, ko rua taupare ki tu paro me hauiti oku iwi. Ite tau toku fire ko ngati tau rangatira te ati awa me ngati rakaua. Kei hongo weka tōku whakatupuranga, uh, ko ngā hapu kei reira, ko Ngāti Kimihia, Ngāti Haumia, me te maunu. O ku iwi, ko Himiona Grace tōku ingoa. <laughs>